Rolling Bones Outdoors presents Hunt the World. From Montana to Mexico, Texas to Tajikistan, Alaska to Asia, Colorado to Canada, we hunt the world, and you can too. Do you want to take your hunting skills to the next level? Ever thought about going on that hunting adventure of a lifetime? But didn't know where to start? This podcast will be for you. Our team at Rolling Bones Outdoors is here to help you create memories that will last a lifetime. Are you ready? Let's hunt the world. I'm Brian Maiman, co-founder of Rolling Bones Outdoors. Today we're going to be talking about snow sheep. Yes, that's right. Snow, not stone, but snow. S-N-O-W, snow sheep. And here to talk about that is Brian Martin. He's hanging out in his normal place at the table. And Brad Dana, across from me, uh, is also here. I'm going to supervise this conversation and make sure you guys don't speak out of turn, okay? Uh, yes. So we're going to talk about uh, snow sheep, but I will tell you, I'll just tell you a, a real quick story. So I had a stone sheep scheduled, and it was a series of un, un, unfortunate and weird events that it got unscheduled. And I got my deposit back for it, and it was uh, um, a, a fair sum. It was uh, over... It was a chunk of money. It was a chunk of money. It was over 60% of the deposit. I got back and I called my buddy Tracy. I said, man, have you ever heard of these snow sheep in Russia? And he's like, not only have I heard of them, I want to go shoot them and I know a guy and I'll call you back. And the next thing I know, I was booked on a snow sheep hunt. So we embarked on a snow sheep hunt over to Russia and I love to travel. I love to go around the world and I love to see things like that. I love to, you know, get on a plane and fly over the big sea. Um, which I'd never actually done that way. I, I've flown to Argentina and did a lot of that type of stuff. But it was really interesting, and it was amazing. And uh, there's lots of details I want to share. But Brian Martin, we obviously book hunts over there. Um, and, and, and if you want to make sure, I guess at the end of this podcast, get a hold of us. If you've ever thought about hunting sheep and you think stone sheep are too expensive, this is not as expensive as a stone sheep hunt. It's actually less money than a doll sheep hunt in some situations. And it is an amazing, amazing adventure. And Russia is not what everybody tells you. The media is not right. Okay. They are wrong. And I've been there, seen it. So, Brian, kick us off. Snow sheep. Well, Russia, it, Russian snow sheep is basically like a stone sheep or doll sheep. Uh, it's like a thin horn. They call them a Kamchat and a big horn, and the, the most popular one. But really, in my opinion, well, we got one sitting right here behind us, and that is actually that's a Koryak sheep, which is just north of Kamchatka. Oh, it's beautiful. So if you look at Russia, I mean, <laughs> Russia is immediately across from Alaska to the west, and so you're hunting in the latitude in the uh, high 50s up until almost the 70th latitude when you're depending on what kind of snow sheep you're hunting, and there's depends on who you want to who you want to uh, look at, SCI or Grand Slam Club, Ovis, you know, there's commonly five to six species that are hunted. The most, there's four that are the most commonly hunted. The most common one is Ch uh, Kamchatna. Then if you go, so Kamchatna is a big peninsula that hangs down north, south running. Similar uh, to south, Alaska. Southwest it's from like Alaska. It's like the Alaskan peninsula, peninsula It has climate similar to the peninsula in Kodiak. So it's not, it, it's wetter than some of the snow sheep, er, er, the other snow sheep areas. Um, it's not technically Siberia. They call it the Russian Far East or, you know, but Siberia is technically further north, more like an Arctic Circle. And this is not the Arctic Circle. So from Kamchatka, you go up and, the, and it, where it narrows down into the peninsula, it hits the mainland. 
Then you have the Koryak sheep, and that's where you guys hunted, Brian. And that is Siberia. Mm, kind of. That's basically kind of basically kind of, kind of the start of Siberia. Yep. And then you go north of there, and you have the Chakota sheep, and that's a very is getting to be more popular. And that goes and the, the town that, that that is is Anadar, and the town that for Kamchatka is um, Petropavlovsky. We I just call it Petro. And then you guys hunted out of Telichiki. Telichiki, yep. We flew into yep. Petropavlovsky, and then we went to Telichiki. And then you go across the sea. Uh, they, they call it, I think it's called the Sea of Ohots. I can't really say the word properly. It's a great big uh, sea on the west side of Kamchatka. Isn't it? And Ohotsa? something like this. yeah. Yeah, it's, a hard, it's one of the hardest words to spell, actually, unless you've done it a few times. And then so they, they have what they call the Magadan Peninsula, and you have the Ohots sheep. And then north of there, you have the Yakuti. And those are the main ones that people hunt. Now there's a bunch of other subspecies and stuff that collectors do. But I'd recommend either starting off with probably either the Yakutia, um, the, the Koryak, or the Kamchatna, and then the Chakota is good and the Ahotsk is good. So the, the, the Yakutia area is the biggest part of Siberia. It's, the, it's more dry and it's really remote, and it's kind of in the interior. And that would be more like Brooks Range, drier type country. And so some in, in the Chakota area and the Kamchatna area have your big moose. And so the big moose that you hunt in Kamchatna actually originally come from Chakota. Um, Chakota, Chakota, and, and those are where the bigger moose are in Russia is either Kamchatna or Chakota are the biggest. There's some decent moose in Yakutia, um, and I, I'm not familiar with the other places because that is basically where guys are going to spend the money to go that far. They'll hunt those areas. And so in a nutshell, you're going to leave the United States or Canada, you know, depending on east or west coast. Basically, all your flights leave out of New York. Um, you need to check all your guns um, and ammo to New York, reclaim them, and you need at least, I recommend, minimum three, but four to five hours in case there's any hiccups. Again, you need to, we talked, we talked about in one of our recent podcasts, make sure your ammo is, is checked separately in a plastic or metal case. Uh, it has to be separate from the gun. It has to be in another duffel bag the, or checked separately. I, I want to interrupt myself. you for a second. One of the big things with what you would want to do when you engage on a, a trip like this is this is not a DIY. This is a get a hold of us. And we will help you get through all this because the bullet box is separate from this with the ammo, the gun permits, all that stuff. We have the right partners and the right alignment to make that seamless. I've seen guys go over there. They, they lose their guns. They get, they get to JFK. They, they, get, they walk up to Aeroflot. They don't have their papers right. Now JFK won't release the guns because they're not going to release them back out in the general public. And then they're stuck, and then you're fighting with them. There, there's a lot of nuances that can become major obstacles or big rocks to get around in your travel if you're not smart about this. And so, you know, that's what, that's what we are built to do is to help you get through that. And I just, I'm not, I'm not putting in like this, you know, little commercial plug in there. I'm being very specific because this is, this is a, the sheep hunting is the easy part <laughs> in my opinion. Getting there is not hard, but it needs to be well organized and you need to be appointed with the right people. Well, even even your flights. Flights were a big deal. Mm -hmm. And uh, you did yours. Tracy did his through a travel agent and he had some hiccups. No, I did mine through the travel agent. Oh, you did too? Yep. And, 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 and then what happened was... Um, yeah, it, we got just. Well, some people, some people try to check their stuff all the way through, and other people reclaim them. You, you at, can't, but you can't check your stuff all the way through. That's the fallacy. Did, it's the easiest in this one is just check it to JFK and reclaim it. Yep, because Aeroflot has to have it reclaimed anyway, and so you have to get it from J, uh, from your whoever you're flying with to get to JFK, 
And so you have to get it anyway because Aeroflot needs it checked in. You can't check a gun through, period, all the way to Moscow. Will not work. Doesn't work. 100%. The other, the other, when we go through Turkish Air to the stands, we can. Right. When we go through on the West Coast and go to Mongolia, we can check it all the way through. That's that's through United then, right? Um, when you, when we're going to east, the stands, it stands United and then Turkish Air. When we're going to Mongolia um, or Nepal, we typically take like Korean Air. I think that's less the airlines and more the or less the countries and more. Or I shouldn't say that less the airlines and the countries more than it is the specific airline to the country because Moscow is Moscow and you're not getting in there that way. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, sometimes. But depending on the popularity of flights, and obviously right now with what's going on, probably won't be any flights from Anchorage to uh, Petro. But in the past, there was usually a, a one-month period in either in August, July, August, or September, sometimes more, where guys can take the direct flight over. So if you're living in, say, Anchorage or Portland, Oregon, or Seattle, it's really easy if that is an option. Typically, though, I don't plan on that. I plan on going through Moscow. Um, if you're only going to hunt Russia once, just get a one-year visa um, single entry. If you might do two trips in the same year, maybe you do a spring bear in say late April, early May, and you're going to do a snow sheep in, in September or August. Then you can do a multi, uh, double or multi. They call it a multi-entry one-year visa. But if you're going to hunt it several times, but you got you have to apply like two to three months before your hunt, then I would recommend getting the three-year multi-entry. Here, here's the only problem with the, the the Alaska trip. So that that flight it actually runs for two months. We checked into it. Okay. The problem is. It goes over once a week. Mm -hmm. It comes back once a week. If you miss it, then you're, yeah, waiting, so well. you're waiting for another you, that week. That means you need to make sure you get back to Petro a couple days before. Because exactly. if you get stuck out there in your chopper, so you, then you're going to have to rebook your flights all the way to come back through Moscow. Or you're going to have to hang out and learn Russian for a week. Exactly. And, and so in Petro... Is a super nice place to hang out. I, I, I love the town. The it's like Alaska, Alaska S. It, yeah, it's it's like Anchorage. It, it really was like Anchorage, and and you see a lot of remnants of you know the Soviet. Uh, how how the big Soviet is it? Union. Is it as big as two hundred thousand? It's two hundred thousand. So it's a big. It's, it's a big place. Anchorage. But but it doesn't have. It's small industry compared to Anchorage. Anchorage has a lot bigger buildings and Petro's spread out quite a bit. There's yeah, a couple different sections. But there's of still it. some nice hotels. There's a Hyatt being built there right now. It's world class fishing. So people come from all over the world to fish, to fish there. It's a great fishery much like alaska and there's volcanoes like yep. the peninsula so people come to do uh like the ecotourism nature hiking but fishing is big they do a lot of helicopter flyout trips there and there's super nice restaurants and it's really nice and uh but what you see is you'll see like this great building like downtown alaska or anchorage or somewhere a nice new building and then you'll see what's re left of soviet union housing you know what i'm saying it's in 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 in, in and it's you'll mixed see, yeah it's mixed it'll be like itll be like 1979 and 2020. <laughs> yeah, because I was going to do that trip with you last year, but then it turned into a multi-sheep 21-day or 24s. It was 24 days, and that was just too long for me. Yeah, and we were going to do a long, longer hunt too. And, and, and my advice in Russia, because the logistics, is, is probably go and just do one species. Yes. The nice thing is... That'd be mine too. Is to, if you want to shoot two, shoot two of the same. Because you're already there. You don't have to regroup. You can shoot a bear. So if you want to, if you want to go a little longer... Um, we can organize like a 12 to 14 day trip instead of an eight to 10 day trip. And you'd go in mid August to later August and the bears are open. If you hunt Ch uh, Chakota, you have caribou that are open. And so then you can hunt a bear and a sheep. And a lot of these outfitters have extra permits for the sheep. And so you can shoot a second f sheep for about half right. In general, um, you know, the cost for these hunts, depending on where you go is anywhere between say 20 and 24,000. 
um, including almost everything other than choppers. So like the trip I went on, every hunter paid 3000 for the chopper. It was a flat rate, fixed rate. And if you hunt Yakutia, we don't use a chopper. Up there, we either use like horses or we use uh, an ATV so that uh, you don't have the chopper cost. But then you have to drive for a day and then take ATVs or horses in for a while. Where if you go to Kamchatka and Petro, you, some people fly, they go a little, usually they don't fly with a chopper right out of Petro. They go to a smaller town to the north. And like you guys went to Tolichki and you flew from there. Um, and those chopper flights are anywhere from a half an hour to maybe two and a quarter hours. And, but the, uh, the best way, I, what we try and do is just do a flat rate for the chopper. And then the, the outfitter obviously pays, he has to get his equipment and everything out there. But normally if we use those great big, what we call the MI-8s, they're like the great big Russian uh, choppers. They actually will hold about five to six tons with empty fuel, if they had no fuel. And with full fuel, they'll probably hold three to four tons. So that's a lot of weight. They easily hold 10, 12 people in all your gear and the camp supplies. And then they are starting to use what we call an R-44, which is a smaller piston-driven helicopter. And those are good for if you got a group of one or two guys that are more minimalist, and they can put you out there. It's not as good if you got to fly out two hours, but if you're only going to fly out like an hour, hour and a half, and there's a group of two guys going, it's just more cost-effective. We'll use the R-44, and uh, that's a really good for guys who are more do-it-yourself and don't want as much staff. They can just take the, the two guides and then go, and then they can do it in like two helicopter trips. And otherwise, once you get that great big chopper, they usually always give you a little bit of extra camp staff. Usually somebody stays at base camp. And if we do a group of four, the way I like to do it is the, um, the main group lands, and uh, two guys stay there, and they set up more of a permanent camp. Like said, say if we have a group of a little bit older hunters or guys a little softer and they want a nicer camp, and then we'll drop them off, get everything, and then just have the, guy, the other two guys want to go a little bit lighter. We'll throw them back in the chopper and fly another 10, 15 miles away. So they're not so far they couldn't hike back if they need to. And typically just have a few extra supplies, but it's more of a minimal. So it'd be like more like a stone sheet backpack hunt. And the, these guys will get dropped off, and then they're more mobile. They'll be more backpacking. And then that's a really good way to do it. You could do three and three, or you can do two and two. I like two and two. And then you know that everybody has a fresh country to hunt, and you're not competing with each other. And it is pure. It is. I mean, we hunted like we would stone sheep hunting. We did move camp a couple times. We left the base camp up. And then we, we spiked out a couple different places with the tents. Because if you try and do like what Brian did, they didn't spike out much. And they, they, they had some really, really long days hiking the same country. And then what happens if you don't have the right spike out gear, then you spend the night in the mountain and it rains, you get your ass really wet and soaked and just miserable. So some of that, we, we didn't bushwhack until we crossed over to where I killed my ram. And that was a bunch of kind of nasty bushwhacking, not as bad as like BC and Alaska, but there was some pretty good bush. But yeah, once Co we got Coriac, into... Coriac has no trees. Yeah, same with... Zero. So in general, it's more like the Brooks Range. Yeah, Coriac had no trees. We, we would go up every day. And, and again, if we would have had the tents to spike out, it would have been nice to spike out. Reality is lots of sheep. We saw lots of sheep every day. We, we were glassing sheep from camp. We were glassing sheep on top. Um, lots of sheep, lots of... Lots of uh, you know, a, lot, a rush of brown bear. Yep. So and you had really, really bad weather had, too. It, it was, was monsoon season. Yeah. You got, you got just got pounded. That, it, it's anywhere it you hunt. not typical. Anywhere you hunt though. Time of year normally. But so. that, but that can happen though. You yeah, have to, happen. I've had BC weather where you're weathered in for three, four days. I've had snow in Northern BC and Alaska on the end of July and early August. And you have to, you have to expect that here. And the further you go up in Siberia, the colder it will get, but the drier it will get. So like Yakutia and Shakoto is going to be drier than Koryak and, and, um, and, and Kamchatna. Right. Well, we, you know, for us, the, the food was amazing. The guides were really good. They didn't speak good English. 
uh, but why would they? But, but, but they've learned to communicate. Mm-hmm. You know, over there, they, they've learned to communicate to you. So there's no question on that. And, uh, you know, uh, hunters have a language of their own anyway. So when you got up there and, and did it, but I have to tell you, I never felt um, I never felt compromised once or scared traveling. The Russian people embraced you great. They loved Americans to the point where they, they actually had a parade about uh, uh, America the, the day before we got there in Petro. Um, and we talked about that on that show that we're doing. Um, and they rolled out the red carpet for us. Uh, we spent, um, I would encourage people to not get in a hurry on the way in or on the way back because you can, like you said, have weather issues and things. You spend a day in Moscow, lots of stuff to do there. Yeah, and, and Petro, lots of stuff. We took a, we took a trip out uh, basically to uh, the Gulf, which is on the other side of the one you're looking at from Alaska. And uh, we had a diver go right down and catch our lunch for us. And we caught food and we, we cooked right out on the thing. And we came back and we stayed in a bed and breakfast that was amazing. Uh, you know, the Basically Alaska with a lot of vodka. It, oh, <laughs> a lot of vodka. Vodka and everything. Shoot, shoot, right? And then the other thing, the caviar was... Even if you if you go, oh, I'm not I don't like caviar. You have no idea. This you gotta caviar, try it. Huh? Oh, this caviar, you cannot imagine it. And the other thing is, you know the food. And and I'm a I'm a foodie. I I, I enjoy uh, zero preservatives like here. So everything was fresh, fresh cucumbers, fresh tomatoes, fresh and and pickled stuff. And then the the meats that they had, the the breads they were they're like eating, a lot of salad, like a lot eating, of salad type yeah. stuff, cucumbers. It's like eating uh, a steak. Bread, the bread was cheese. amazing. Yep, fresh fresh uh, butter. It it was amazing. Just different, totally different. No uh, sheep chops though. Usually was there. No, you're pretty stingy with that. They, they wanted to keep the sheep for themselves. <laughs> I should add Brian Martin. Uh, no, 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 that's no, no. A, get that sheep get, up get that here now. <laughs> My butcher friend's going to cut that up. No, no. Listen, we will eat that we're eating, sheep. We're eating tenderloins tonight. Well, a couple things to keep in mind when you're going over. I like to go over a day early and um, make sure. So let's say, but I don't want hunters showing up like every other. Let's say if we have four guys going and they show up at three different times, you try and r- arrive the whole group makes a decision we're going to get there a day earlier. Two guys come this day because our outfitting partners have to come to the airport and meet us and clear the rifle, which takes them several hours. You know, it's an hour or so drive for their house. could be two hours in traffic. And so I don't like to be in, make it inconvenient for them. And then I like to just, because you you got to keep in mind the time zone. If you're flying from the West Coast or the interior part of the United States, you got a three- to six-hour flight to New York, depending on if you have to catch any other connections. And then from New York over to Moscow is, what, 9 to 10 hours? And so now you change a bunch of time zones. So you're from, from here to Moscow, I believe, is 10 hours. Mm-hmm. We're in mountain time right now, 9 to 10 hours this time of year. And then so I like to get, claim all my luggage in, in Moscow, spend the night there, spend the day there. Maybe you go to town. Maybe if you're tired and you've been you know, pulling an all-nighter to get away, you relax. There, there's a couple. We, we stayed at the Blue Radisson Blue, which is right there at the airport, the same airport we flew out of to go hunting. Um, and if you want to do a little more scenic and you want to get there a couple days earlier, then you can go and, and, and get a hotel close to downtown and the outfitter can keep his, your gear with you. I mean, with, with him at his place, that way you don't have to take all your luggage into the sm- some of the smaller boutique hotels. I've done it both ways. And then, so I, I, I like doing economy plus, it gives you another baggage included and a little bit more leg room when you fly to Petro. Um, and that was another nine-hour flight, and you also you're gaining time when you're going there. 
And so we landed and then we drove six hours. So that's why it's nice. Had you tried to do the whole thing in one trip, the amount of time traveling is a disaster. It's too much. You get tired. So I like to get to Moscow, spend at least one night there, make sure your luggage. So if you had something wrong with your luggage, it gives the time to catch up. And then when you do the next flight, you only got one leg. So there's a chance of losing your luggage is almost zero unless they forget yeah, to put it right. on. And, and so that way, that way you always have your guns and luggage. And don't expect if you forget your ammo to get much ammo over there. No. Because we had a guy that needed ammo, and um, they had 30 out 6 308, yeah. and 300. You couldn't get 7 mag. You couldn't get 338. You're definitely not going to get 6.5 Creedmoors and 6.5 yeah. PRCs. You're not going to get any of that stuff. So, Brian, you said you like to get there a day early. I know you in hunting season. You like, okay, it's hunting season. I'll see you guys in four months. Right. <laughs> and that's that's actually Brian Martin, the reality show. <laughs> right, exactly. I like to get there a day early. That, that That is so BS. He probably does get there a day early. Did you? Well, you did last year, didn't you? I, I got, got there two, so, day, two so days early. Did. I got there eight hours early, and, and it wasn't enough, and here's why. It, it was, but we didn't get things, and then it sat there in uh, um, the basement until we got back 21 days later in the luggage claim area. And so you do. You are worried about things, but but one of the points I want to make also when you're flying over there, I would go, I w- I would put my optics in my roller bag, and I take a roller bag. I know you don't, but we have different travel styles. Um, but it, but anyway, I would put my optics and stuff in there. Um, I I packed pretty reasonable. It made it all there, no problem. We had eight hours in Moscow, and then we flew all the way across. Now the weird part was. It was yesterday minus 12 hours when I would call home on the sat phone when did, I would call home. Did you bring your optics? You said your optics. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yesterday minus 12 hours. Did you not pack your uh, binoculars in your, carry, in your carry-on bag? This- yes. Yeah, that's oh, you did. So his carry-on so oh, carry roller bag. I have, yeah. a, I have a day pack, uh, which I wear, which is about 3,000 cubic inches, and Brian has a roller pack. And then we both have like a satchel. Yep. And you can put other weights and, and heavy things, batteries. Because right now, most of these airlines limit you to about 20 pounds yep. per item. So that means you got to take a satchel or a briefcase in order to get your extra weight. Yep. And we have, we have a very similar system. Mine has wheels on it. Yours doesn't. Um, you're, st- you're stronger than I am, uh, and I'm not. Um, but that was, it, I, I want to say that again. It was 12 hours yesterday. So it was weird because I would tell my wife, I'm watching... Uh, you're watching the sunset, and I'm watching the sunrise. Well, from, from from here over to there, I believe is about seventeen, eighteen hours difference. Yeah. So, so you think about it, you're like you're Alaska, and just go back the other way. You're actually going ahead, so you're about as fast as you. Can, I mean, the, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's mind-boggling. To you're think the about furthest ahead bit. time zone in the world, almost now, outside exactly. of one of the Asian countries. So, and, and we're talking about optics. Anytime you hunt Central Asia. Um, assume it's like a do-it-yourself hunt when it comes to optics. Don't expect the guides have a yeah. great spotting scope and tripod. So each hunter should have his own spotting scope and tripod. And I recommend each hunter personally take. This is where we were talking about optics the other day. You take your range-finding binoculars, and then most hunters have another pair of binoculars that they use for a while. Keep those if you're going to do a lot of international hunting. Have a nice case for them, and give that to the guides to borrow for the hunt. And if you, it, it, you know, sometimes I'll get like a three or four hundred dollar pair of leopolds and take them over and give them give them to the guides but honestly most of the guides need money more than they need optics and so if it be difference between you give them five hundred dollars or five hundred dollar pair of binoculars they're probably going to want both or the money 
Um, so most of the time they'll definitely take the optics, but definitely, and then you can let the guide use your optics. And I take all my own skinning and game bags and everything else. Literally, I, I, I travel exactly as if I was going to Alaska or British Columbia. There's yep. almost no difference. Yep, that's exact. That, that's what I was just going to say. I traveled exactly like I was going to Alaska. Zero difference other than we had more flights. You probably, did you guys take and tents or no? We did take tents. And um, when we got there, um, because they said that they were, were, good, um, they were good tips. Now, the weird part, not the weird part, the unique, interesting part is a couple of our guides that were in camp, they go, they, they guide for two or three outfitters, and then they go work in the fishing camp, and they're literally nomads. They hunt and fish all year long for these guides and fisheries, and that's what they do, net, uh, net fishing in shallow waters. And so they needed these tents. This was their home. It literally was their home, these tents. And so I took over a Hilleberg, okay, an expensive one. And um, I took over a three-man Hilleberg because Noah and I in a two-man tent on top of the mountain. Right. Because I took my son, and he's not a tiny boy either. Um, but my point to that was two things. One is that they love those tents, and we ended up giving them to them as a tip plus some cash. Mm -hmm. And they were super grateful for it. The other thing is with the optics, um, the difference between Alaska and here is that in Alaska, all the outfitters have their own optics, right? The right. guides. Yep. They, Usually good stuff. Exactly what Brian said. They didn't have it. And they were super willing to carry all your garbage, is what they called it, up the mountain. We'll carry your garbage because they wanted to use your optics and they wanted to use your cool stuff. Does that make sense? So they were like, hmm. And so... It was, it was eye-opening to me to see that they don't have the same resources. They run up those mountains in rubber boots, and we're in Kenetrex. Depends on the camp, and, and it's no different than BC. So our camp had the guys had better boots. Did they? Yeah. Our, yeah, ours. it depends. It depends on, we had some, a couple of real experienced sheep guides with us. I think they, ours they, were real experienced. They just didn't have the boots. Does that make sense? Did, didn't your, have the did same, your guys yeah. look more like ind indigenous Indians, or they look more look like Russian guys? Um, both, but the, the, there's, and we had mixed, we had guys that looked like they were like, they looked like if you're going to Canada or, or Alaska and hunting with a native band. Yeah. They looked like, uh, uh, Nanook, uh, type, uh, native. And those guys were the rubber boot guys, yeah, but the, the Russian guys that came from the, the peninsula were yeah. wearing like normal hunting boots and gators. Yep. And we had, and, 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 and they're Russian camo and we left, yeah, we left gators for them. Um, they, they wanted all the gators they could get, and, and we left. I had an extra pair of boots there. Actually, uh, I had the pair of boots I wore, and I wasn't impressed with them, so I left my boots there, and they were like, oh, boy. Yeah, normally when you go to Russia, if you're going to do it the right way and make sure you, you know, it's a good place to go and take a few extra things for your guides. And so you're going to, I usually take two duffels and one rifle case. So you're going to have one over, you're going to have one extra luggage. I mean, if you're a really a minimalist and not very, um, not much of a do-it-yourself hunter, want to be more guided, then you can get by with one double gun case or tough pack and one duffel, and then checked. So you have two checked, and then to carry on in the in, in the briefcase. But if you're going to go like myself or you, Brian or Brad, I would say most because we're gonna I'm gonna take some of my own food. They had good food, but I still we still ate some of the mountain houses. And um, I would, usually bring tents on that stuff too, and that takes up room and weight. Yeah, I usually recommend either a, a really lightweight two-man tent or a big one-man tent. And I'm a big fan of sleeping. You know, if you don't know, if I'm going to a country where I know they don't have any tents at all, 
and I'm going to share with a guide. I'll take a three-man tent. But usually the guides have um, a gu- usually the guides have their own tents now. Yeah, we had our, we everybody had their own. Tent. The worse the worse the weather Super is nice. though. So the worse the weather goes, the later you hunt, the more I take stuff for the guides. The earlier the season, because um, if I've had times if I didn't bring a big enough tent for myself and the guide, and I didn't bring a sleep mat for him, and I didn't bring an extra pack for him, he wouldn't have had it. We wouldn't have been able to go hunting. So the colder and worse the weather is, the more important it is to have stuff for the guide also. So like if I'm going on a late season backpack hunt, I might bring two two backpacks, set of rain gear for him, a sleeping pad for him, and a, and a set of optics. And usually they can get by with whatever boots they have, um, because they're used to they're used to having cold feet, but they don't have the right gear for staying out in the snow. That's what I take. So I it, it's a little bit extra weight, but you think about it as maybe ten pounds for the extra for the guy. Yeah, I, I you know what, I I'm anticipating my next Russia trip, and I will hunt Russia. You know, I, I would love to be blessed enough to get my North American slam, but before I go chasing uh, the, the desert sheep and spending that type of money, I would prefer at this age in my life to go back to Russia three, four more times. Yeah, you might get the Russian slam before the... Could very well be, because I tell you what, the adventure, per dollar spent, not, not head, uh, horns on head on pedestal, I'm talking per dollar spent for adventure in the sheep market. I, I Russia just man, I tell you what, it's an amazing, amazing trip, and you get to see a lot of cool stuff. If you were gonna go one time, which sheep would you chase? Probably gonna be the Koryak or Kemchak. Kemchak. I, those I'd go are, back those are generally the two yeah. biggest. But if you're a pure <clears throat> backpacker and you want to go like really roaming around the Arctic, I would look at the, the Yakutia and Chakoda are going to be more open books, rangy country. But the, but the Koryak oh, is I'm a good combination. Go Koryak's a good combination of size. Yeah, we were going to go this year, yeah. but it, that fell through. Yeah, we'll they're, they're, they're all good. But there's a lot of bears. I did see a lot of bears. And depending on where you're at, some areas of bear season starts August 10th and some areas August 20th. They used to start early August. One sheep. One sheep. You could kill. You could hunt one sheep. What would it be? Stone, doll, bighorn. Uh, Marco Polo. Marco Polo. What would a it be? Stone or Marco Polo. Stone or Marco Polo. Mine, I've never killed a Marco Polo next year probably, but I would say stone for me. Not a question. Stone. Um, <laughs> now, can I afford that every year? Um, sure. My wife might not you know, have everything she wants, but... I mean, that's overrated anyway. Um, but no, the stone sheep's pretty amazing. <laughs> Just kidding, Lindley. Well, the nice thing about those animals is they live in places where there's other species to hunt. Yes. You know, but I would say mixed bag hunting, Alaska is better. Alaska and Canada is better than Russia. It's no, there's not many places we can shoot three or four species like you can in Alaska. There's places in Alaska, like in Alaska Range, yeah, where you can shoot a, a moose, a caribou, a grizzly, and a, and a doll sheep in the same area. And Russia doesn't have the transportation. They don't leave, typically when we get dropped off, we're dropped off. They don't leave the helicopter there and shuttle us around. They will do that, but it's expensive. So again, with money, you can have anything you want. But um, in general, you get dropped off, and then when you're done, you get picked up. But the nice thing is you get dropped off wherever you want to be. There's no same-day air laws, uh, so you can start hunting that day. You're not going to f- spot the animals out of the big helicopter anyway, but you can go hunting that day if you see something. Let's, we got out, and we spotted some rams about three miles away, and um, we, we, it was too late in the day, but the guys took off the early the next morning after them. So little things like that one? are nice. Uh, no, they, they, it, it, it winded them. They had to borrow a gun. He had to get, try to get closer than... 500 yards and wanted to get 300 and when when they did that the animal saw him and spooked 
So that was actually the animal that I killed like six days later, five days later. Handsome ram. It was an interesting ram. Yeah. So there's some, it's, it's some good country. Did that, did you get that back yet? No, we'll get it back here because of all the delays with the, the Corona 19 stuff, you know, COVID-19, not many, they're not doing much shipping of trophies. We'll probably do that in May. May or yeah. June. Well, you know what? I, I, I would suggest any of you go to uh, Russia um, what, what are we missing? What, what would be one thing you would want, uh, want somebody to know that specifically says, I'm going on a sheep? See, I would not be afraid if somebody said, I got one sheep I want to kill, um, and I want him to take an adventure of a lifetime. Doll sheep is definitely cool. Alaska doll sheep would definitely doll be Doll sheep one. is slightly cheaper than a snow sheep, but can, Canada doll sheep is more expensive than yep, a snow sheep. Without question. And so I got to tell you, if they said I was going to kill one and I'd like to get two sheep or I'm going to go on one sheep hunt and I possibly, if there was two good rams there, I'd kill another one to have two rams in the wall. I would say Russia over Alaska because of that, because what you said it's earlier. It's basically a snow sheep. It's like a brother to a snow sheep. Yep. It's more like a snow sheep, bighorn hybrid than, than a doll sheep. And snow sheep... You know, or less than half They're price amazing. of a stone and a bighorn. I think uh, I think Alaska, when they did the four-year resident non-resident requirement, I think it's going to bolster Russian sheep hunting. Yeah, well, I, of course, yes. And I, I would so say will fifty-five thousand right. and sixty thousand dollars stone sheep. Right. And so will fifty thousand dollars bighorn with a forty to fifty percent kill rate. And so will fifty to eighty thousand um, dollars desert. And then so will Marco Polo that requires CITES permits to come back. These are easier. You don't have to do the CITES import permit. Yeah, these don't even come we, we, we typically ship these. Why are we even talking about this? We I don't want to market we these. Typically ship don't it. call us. Don't call anybody. We ship no them after the season, <laughs> usually in the winter. Normally, if it wasn't for the issues, we're going to ship them between December and uh, April. Usually, you know, six months minimum. And the best time to hunt, if you're a backpacker, is in August. If you want to do the combination hunts in September, but you're going to deal with snow. If you go August 1st through the 10th or 15th, the bugs are going to... I mean, they're bad. They're going to eat you in a No, they're, they're giant. I will tell you this. We got our heads back in five and a half months. Yeah, you guys got yours back around January. Yep, it was. January, February. I think they brought them to yep. the show in they, Utah. They had them in all the shows. And we could have had that, but it was um, our outfitter was traveling some then and doing other things, and it's not a big rush. None of, none of our guys are panicked for it. But in general, yeah, you're going to get them back between January, probably January and June. Yep, they're absolutely amazing critter. If you're a sheep hunter and you want more information, if you're not a sheep hunter and you want to go on a sheep hunt and you want more information, go ahead and give us a call, 605-644-8000. That's 605-644-8000. Brian's in here every day. The, uh, the little placard on his door to his office says, Brian Martin, AMORBO, office hours. I think Brad put question, 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 <laughs> because that dude and gun hunting. He it might flexes. he might be in here seventy two hours in a row. Not kidding you. Up the most of the time, sending out emails, talking to people overseas, organizing hunts, getting everything done, getting our spreadsheets done, working with our reps, doing all this. This guy's a workaholic. And then right above that, the next placard above his door says "gone hunting." So is that what you just said? Yep. <laughs> it's gone hunting. So so we don't know which one he is. If he's but I will tell you this if he's here or not he's thinking about hunting or he's thinking about going hunting and this guy is a plethora has a plethora of information for you hey, so speaking of information yes i would not recommend taking sixes and 6.5s for for russia no and because there are a lot of bears and a seven mag is just a, probably a better all-around gun and i mean a six five will work i've shot a few but seven mags and 300s are good and if you ever, Russia's a good place. If you are going to potentially lose your ammo, you could do it there. 
and that's why it's it's a much easier to find some hunter with a seven mag or a three hundred than is a six or six point five. Yep, I couldn't agree more. Great, great uh, suggestion. So thanks for listening. Rollingbones.com. Rollingbones.com. Go check out our membership. Let us apply for you. Let us get build you a hunt plan. Let us help you figure out how to get on that next adventure. Hey, a couple things that you should know. We have hunt layaways. We can budget you over a two to three year period. I'm telling you, it works. You wanted one of these hunts, didn't think you could afford it. Get a hold of us. We can design a plan that's affordable, economical, but delivers you on a world-class adventure that you didn't think of. And in the near future, keep checking back to rollingbones.com because we could have financing for you also available. But right now, 100%, we have a hunt layaway program that works with all our outfitters. So rollingbones.com, thanks for listening. As always, stay healthy, be safe, and have a great week.